Lena's arranging afternoon tea on the table. The sound of a piano is heard in the adjoining room. And, after the music has ceased, Algernon enters. Did you hear what I was playing, Lame? Didn't think it polite to listen, sir. Well, I'm sorry for that, for your sake. I don't play accurately. Anyone can play accurately. But I play with wonderful expression. As far as the piano is concerned, sentiment is my forte. I keep science for life. Yes, sir. And speaking of the science of life, have you got the cucumber sandwiches cut for Lady Bracknell? Yes, sir. Hmm. Hmm. Oh. Oh, uh, by the way, Lane, I see from your book that on Thursday night, when Lord Shawman and Mr Worthing were dining with me, eight bottles of champagne are entered as having been consumed? Yes, sir, eight bottles and a pint. Now, why is it that at a bachelor's establishment, the servants invariably drink the champagne? I ask merely for information. Attribute it to the superior quality of wine, sir. I've often observed that in married households, the champagne is rarely of a first-rate brand. Good heavens! Is marriage so demoralising as that? I believe it is a very pleasant state, sir. I have had very little experience of it myself up to the present. I've only been married once, and that was in consequence of a misunderstanding between myself and a young person. I don't know that I'm much interested in your family life, Lane. No, sir. It is not a very interesting subject. I never think of it myself. Mm, very natural, I'm sure. Well, that will do, Lane. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Lane's views on marriage seem somewhat lax. Really, if the lower orders don't set us a good example, what on earth is the use of them? They seem, as a class, to have absolutely no sense of moral responsibility. The theatre, the theatre. Theater. To be or not to be. Theater. Theater. The plane's the thing. Oh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yes. I'm very excited. Hi, friends. Hey. Nice oh, wow. I give that a 4.6. Because I got my soda stream cartridges today. Nice. Uh, I've, I've heard you do bubble better. Water. I've oh. heard you do better. It's because I'm tired and sad today. Oh, oh what are you sad about? What are you sad about? Air it out I got... Pot. I got the hardcore blues just going back to work today. I had a long uh, weekend. Yeah. yeah and I, I probably you. slept through half of it and so i just was bummed and, yeah, no, and fringe totally is over agree. and and uh it's now my brain is like well what's next and i'm like well you wanted apart. to yes and it was like well you wanted to take july off cj from things and yeah, so now, yeah. <laughs> it's I get my you. own fault i'll be and okay. you know it's always sad when fringe is over yeah, it's yes. always tough. Oh, yeah. Because that's such a fun community of people, which um, I'm sorry I didn't get to make it for that final fringe blast, no. y'all. Oh, I, I, I felt bad. I went you felt and, so bad. And I got COVID. Yeah. And you didn't go because you had COVID. Yeah, to the final uh, ceremony. That's true. I didn't get to go to the, the, the award ceremony, unfortunately, yeah. but I'm glad we got to award Love Chicken. Much love to Love Chicken. Yes. Um, and, and it was everybody a blast. Else, yeah, it was, it was just time, a know? great night. I know there was some drama um, with some some ways that people were hooting and hollering. Um, well, let's not air it here, but I, I was yeah. not there, so I did not um, I wasn't aware it. of it. 
I wasn't aware of it either. Yeah, it it so. was on the opposite. CJ and I were literally on the opposite side of the stage. Yeah. Very interesting. But there's happening. always going to be some drama. We're theater people. We love drama. So drama. <laughs> speaking of, um, well, actually, we should say at the top here. Say it. Peter Brooks. Yeah, Brooks. Did I say Brooks? Brooke. Yeah. Brooke. Mel Brooks' yeah. brother. Mel Peter, Brooks' no, brother. Peter. Uh... Peter Brooke uh, passed away this past weekend. And I, I just want to bring it up. Like, you and I had a great conversation at the bar in the middle yeah. of Fringe. Yeah. Talking about uh, Peter Brooke and talking about the empty space and, and, and going back. And that book, which is not like it's so it's like a pamphlet. Right. Like it's so simple and direct and to the point and I don't like, remember a single word from that book. I was well, required re-read it to now. read it. I well, know I need yeah, to reread it. That was 20 years ago. Reread it. You should read it every year, every time you go to do a project cuz it's like <laughs> not just I don't mean I like I'm not being facetious though. Like as an actor, it's helpful to go, "Oh, let me step back and see what is this thing? Where does it fit? Right. Where do I fit in it?" And yeah, it was a bummer. I mean, the dude literally changed the game. Literally changed I mean, how I, everything the, my was done. First introduction to him was somebody showing me a picture of his Midsummer Night's Dream in the white box. Mhm. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Oh, what is this?" And then I got interested. I it's yeah, very sad, but also like lived a phenomenal life and Yeah, 97 like did it right. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like so yeah, he's, he's very fine. Sad. He's fine. Yeah. But but he, he was great for fine. theater people and his you know, his quote is like, you know, theater is now. It's not it's not later, it's not before. It's it, it's the moment. And he's just he's correct. And I I I love him so much for everything that he brought to our industry. Um but without people like him, we wouldn't have this podcast. No. We just wouldn't. Because no. this is theater theater. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to Theater Theater. Nice the segue, theater bro. Thanks. Good to have it. you it's back. Been, it's been a while since we've done a full... I mean, we did Marsha Norman, but she was sort of in a sea of bonus episodes. Of right? insanity. Yeah. 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 So us, it's, it's nice yes. to be back in our normal trajectory. So welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the LA theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm CJ Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. That's right, and each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three macro of their plays. Macro means big. It does, Amy. it means big. And this is part of one of three of our mini-series covering the works of Oscar Wilde. Yes. And what's the title? What are we <laughs> doing? Let's decide what are we doing? Let's That's do- okay. why I know all I'm right, standing right. by what I think's best. Now, here's here, the first pitch that Bailey gave was and this was months ago i said i think it's just importance of being podcast it's simple to the point yeah, yeah. makes sense i, I yeah. like the elegance it, right it's it fits like cat on a pod tin roof or you're just like yeah cool no. makes sense hold but, on we're not done yet we're not hold on <laughs> now there are you. other there are other titles that have been pitched um these are much sweatier and we have been known to get real sweaty with these titles the sweatier so gonna... the bettier you're you're right. Oh, that was God. sweaty. What uh, you just that said. was sweaty. Yeah, really. Past Podther is easily our most sweaty. <laughs> Past Podther <laughs> for Nightmother. Uh, that was tough. So I'm 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 a little hesitant to go full absurdity with this one. But CJ, if you can remember it, can, you want to tell us the other option, or do I need to say the impotence of being kept. Earncast. Earn cast. <laughs> the impotence of being Earncast. 
No. I love it. <laughs> Got kind of a Boston thing here's, going on. The here's impotent. the only reason the why it doesn't work for me. Okay. Even though I like it better. Yeah. I feel like pod has to be a noun and cast has to be a verb in there somewhere. Okay. Here's some other in options. In my brain. You ready okay. for this? Okay. Vera or the podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> here's another one. Here's another one. An ideal podcast. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Anyone? But we're not reading that one. Lady Windermere's podcast. We don't have to read the play for it to be the title of the thing. That doesn't have anything to do with it, CJ. You're way off base here. Well, and a Lady Windermere's fan does not work because it's not the same amount of syllables. Lady Podcastamere's fan. <laughs> but then, no, it would need to be Lady Podcastamere's fan. Yeah. Yep, that's what I said. I, no, I think it's it, not what you said. It's what I said. It's what I said. Here's the what, thing. What about what about Padme? No, because it no? sounds like Padme, like you're talking about yeah. Natalie Portman. Oh, y'all want to talk know. about Star Wars? Can we not? <laughs> I, I'm watching Obi Wan. That's enough for me. Like I don't. So I, good. It is good. Okay, so <laughs> I love it a lot. Fuck, it's really good. I didn't think it was gonna be, and it's really good. Um, we'll talk about it some other time when we do our Star Wars Part Two. Yes. Uh, no, we'll never do that. Um, I think, Scott, your final say, is it the importance of being podcast or is it the impotence of being earnest? Because the impodcast <laughs> of being earnest is also an option. The impodcast of being earnest. <laughs> That's my number two. No I don't know. I, I, uh, no, they all turned it off already. It's all. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> We've lost them all. Except Chris. Hey, Cap. <laughs> Let's, uh... Let's stick with the let's let's stick with the importance of being podcast. Simple, elegant, to the point. Right. Well, I'm gonna just be a grouch through this whole fucking oh, mini series. That's fine. If you're a listener no, and you fair. have it's you have strong fair. feelings either way, let us know and we'll change the title. But for now, CJ, you can call it whatever you want, but for now it is the importance of being podcast. <laughs> she's literally got her arms poop. crossed, she's pouting. The importance <laughs> of being earn pod? <laughs> no. Okay, earn-pod. we've gone off the rails. Poop. Now, during this series, we're going to be taking a look at three of his works, a macro look, if you will. Thanks. The first one is going to be Vera or The Nihilists, which we are reading uh, or we're discussing today. We read this week. Um, then we're going to do The Importance of Being Earnest, a classic of his yeah. Yeah. Uh, that everyone seems to know. And Salome, mm-hmm. which is my choice. And I, I'm kind of obsessed with this play and we're going to talk about it. And there's a really great meta version of this with Al Pacino and Jessica Chastain on Broadway HD that I'm going to make you guys watch with me. Because it is both the play (laughs) and a story of people putting on the play. Wow, interesting. Yeah, Yeah, it's weird. You're going to like it. Um, We're going to get into it. But today we're talking about Vera and the Nihilist. But before we do that, I want people to understand where we're coming from with him. So we'll start out with context, and then we'll get into one of my favorite segments, uh, Mm. Scott. Mm. You know what it is. Oh, and I've I've got games and stuff set up. (gasps) Yeah, it's going to be wild, y'all. It's going to be wild. 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 He sure was. (laughs) I'm going to say it a hundred more times before we're done. He sure was. Um, we should say. Say it. It's not Pride Month anymore. 
We right. maybe should have done this during Pride Month, but it's fine. We're still celebrating Pride all the time. We're always yeah. celebrating the community. And yeah. Wild is, is a perfect uh, staple in that community, a legend in that community for us to, to look at and dissect. So I'm excited about it. Um, let's hear context. Hey, CJ. Yeah. What? How do you know this guy? Well, it's interesting because when I first showed up to Webster, like I'd, I'd been there for two months, the first show that Conservatory did was The Importance of Being Earnest. And it was in our black box in the round. And <clears throat> I came to Webster having read like two or three Shakespeare plays and seeing a bunch of musicals. And I remember sitting in that audience, knowing that this is a play I should have known, but didn't, and feeling and feeling completely intimidated about mm. now being in this program and at the first the first year of school for me was really hard anyway but at that two month mark knowing that i did not belong in this program so <laughs> it was very intimidating uh but i still remember images of that production and then after that like i i've since read that play which has been a long time this is going to be a fun mini series for me because i i don't know a lot of his stuff but then years ago at fools um we did woman of no importance right mm -hmm. and it 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 did not go well to say it politely it did not um, it was all the way over at old fools but they did have a real bird on stage which was kind of cute but that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool Oh, last thing. Oh. I When I, uh, in between my junior and senior year, when I studied abroad, I spent a weekend in Dublin, and Oscar Wilde has the coolest fucking sculpture dedicated to him. Um, yeah. It's at the square, it's at Marion Square, uh, a park, and uh, it's the Oscar Wilde Memorial Sculpture, and they've picked a rock on the corner of the park, and it's a sculpture of him, like, reclining and smirking at you from the rock. Nice. It's nice. a really cool sculpture, but I, I do have a picture of that somewhere around here. We'll That's post it. it on the Instagram. All right, okay. Scott. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was exposed and, like, did scene work from Importance of Being Earnest in, like, high school. And then I read, you know, Picture Dorian Gray. Um, I'd seen stuff, but he was always this sort of entity, you know, around right. that I never felt like I really known a lot about and just digging in this week and, and prepping for the pod. I was like, Oh, I knew more than I thought I did. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that he was a huge touchstone. I, I don't remember, you know, having any sort of revelation because of Oscar Wilde, he was right. just always sort of omnipresent and, yep. um, but he's, you know, he was this insane mind and, um, and a fascinating human being on top of, of everything else and, and a pop culture icon. He was a rock star of his day, you know? Absolutely. And, um, so yeah, he's fascinating in, in, in that way to me. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, he's, he's an entity that everyone sort of knows about. We all know the name Oscar Wilde. He's, he, it's one of those, it's just one of those names. It's like Winston Churchill where you're just like, yeah, I, of course. But you may not know what he did. I feel, but then when I really think about it, unless you're like pretty deep into theater stuff, I would argue most people don't know him at all, really. You right. might be like, right. In a, in yeah. a real way. Like, like have actually engaged with his work. I mean, he's writing in 1880. You know, it's not like right. he's, you know, some modern thing that we all need to be aware of. And he's, he's no Shakespeare in terms of longevity. Shakespeare. 
He ain't no Bill Shakespeare. No Bill Shakespeare. But he, but he, I mean, but I would argue also that there are people who like love him. Oh yeah, like many. on a like further than the Bard. Like there are people oh, yeah. who, when you bring up importance, they're like my favorite play. It's the best play. Um, and I would actually maybe put importance like in my top fifty plays of all time. Like if I was really like sitting there, I love that play. Um, when I was a kid, I saw many productions of importance of being earnest and Mm. i kind of assumed everyone sort of grew up this way that it was just something that was just done all over the place but like when i was a little kid they did it at my high school and so i went and saw it as like a younger kid and then when i was in uh like middle school uh they did it at a a local community theater and i went and saw it and then you know so i i've seen that play many times yeah um i've also seen an ideal husband a couple times which is interesting and i saw lady windermere's fan in kansas city when i was living there I want to say it was at a at a school. It might have been UMKC. I don't remember. Um, but it, I haven't engaged with things like Picture of Dorian Gray, the book that he wrote, mm-hmm. and I ha- which I know a lot of people really love. My my the much as much as I know about Dorian Gray comes from Penny Dreadful for me. Well, sure, <laughs> mine mine comes yeah. from. Uh, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Right, right. Uh, so I'm the graphic novel, and then later. <laughs> and then um, but I loved the importance of being Ernest movies as a kid, both mm. of them. I loved mm. the 1952 original that was just like the, you know, the really big, what kind of set it all off. But then um, I think it wins Oscars and things like that. But mm-hmm. then in 2002, I'm like 11 or 12. Um, the Rupert Everett, Colin Firth one. Right, right. Oh my He's God, I bet that would so be delightful. Good. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. And just like, and I, I think it's Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, it's Reese. And it and Judy Dench. And it's just like this, it's fun and it gets it. And it's, it's for a modern audience. And it's like, you know, it's the same year as like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. So it looks really like 2000-y and kind of yeah, shitty, yeah, but I yeah. love it. Um, I, I really like Oscar Wilde and I kind of forgot. Yeah. yeah. I kind of forgot that I really like him and I, it's been fun revisiting. Um, but I want to know fucking everything about this dude. And Scott, you're really good at that. So let's, let's get, let's get dick deep into Oscar Wilde. Uh, Yeah. Let's get dick deep. (laughs) Sure. Sure. No. And the way we do that is with something really beautiful. It's, um, it's this right here. Scottopedia. Scottopedia. Whoa, Scottopedia. Uh, So listen, there is a lot on Oscar Wilde out there. Yeah, I mean, just on Wikipedia, there's a shit ton. So I'm filtering down. Yeah, okay. Every single bit. (laughs) All right. Okay, here we go. Uh, First of all, we got to start off with this motherfucker's name, because this is the best. It's the best. Oscar Fingal of Flattery. Wills Wild is his full name. We Fingle? do not have enough names. He need yeah, you gotta Fingle? have I love Fingle. It. Yeah. Fingle. Flattery. Wills Wild. Uh was born on October sixteenth, eighteen fifty four. It was a hell of a year. Uh if you want it in, <laughs> if you want it in British style, that's sixteen October, eighteen fifty four. Yes, also uh, a great year for wine. Great yes, year for wine. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, yes. I don't Yes. <laughs> and 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 other <coughs> pardon me such stuff. Spirits. Yes. Yes. 
He was born at 21 Westland Road in Dublin, now home of the Oscar Wilde Center at Trinity College, Dublin. He was the second of three children, born to Anglo-Irish couple Jane Nee Elgie and Sir William Wilde. Willie. Willie, Willie Wilde. Wilde. Yeah, hey. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wilde was baptized as an infant in St. Mark's Church, Dublin, the local Church of Ireland, which is an Anglican church. Uh, that's important because that changes up later. Things get crazy later. Uh, in addition to his two full siblings, Oscar Wilde had three half-siblings. And one-third siblings. And one-third, uh, who were born out of wedlock before the marriage of his father, but old Willie, he was okay. He paid for their school and made sure that they're well taken care of, but he didn't let them live with uh, the uh, quote-unquote legitimate children. Uh, until he was nine, Wilde was educated at home, where a French nursemaid and a German governess taught him their languages. Uh, later in life, he claimed was that his... Was her name Maria von Trapp? <laughs> and yes, Played by Carrie Underwood. Played by Carrie Underwood. Who, who is more Ow. appropriate? Who's more appropriate for the role than Julie Andrews? There we Fuck go. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm gonna go hold on to it forever. That's our forever bit. I think yeah, everything, forever. everything else can die. Listen, that one stays listen, forever. Listen, I want everybody to listen carefully. No, later in his life, he claimed that his fellow students had regarded him as a prodigy uh, for his ability to speed read, claiming that he could read two facing pages simultaneously and consume a three-volume book in half an hour, uh, retaining enough information to give a basic uh, account of the plot. Hey. Not too bad yeah. when you're a kid, yeah. Uh, he got a royal scholarship to read classics at Trinity College in Dublin uh, from 1871 to 1874, sharing rooms with his older brother, Willie Jr. Uh, in 1870 Willie Jr. Willie Jr. Uh, in 1874, he went to Oxford. No big deal. No big deal. There. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, uh, during which time he got a little bit more into Catholicism, which deeply appealed to his uh, uh, appealed to him, especially its uh, rich uh, liturgy, and he discussed converting it with many clergy on several different occasions. Hmm. In 1881, uh, old man Willie passes away. He gets a little inheritance, goes off to London. And old Oscar, he starts to uh, live that bachelor lifestyle, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Uh, he starts to write a lot this... of lords, if I'm right. Yeah, a lot. There was, a lot there's a lords. lot going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lords, marquees, sons of marquees. Dukes. Which, which, d Dukes. 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 <laughs> uh, um, it was at this point that he started uh, publishing and writing more prolifically. Uh, he published a collection of poems. Uh, he writes essays, he writes short stories, and of course the plays. He writes only one novel during this time, and critics slammed it. They did not care for it. And that's the picture of Dorian Gray, which we regard as a classic today. Yep. Uh, but it received only lu lukewarm reception, and many criticized the book's homoerotic overtones, branding it effeminate, Ugh. unmanly, and Feet. leprous. And leprous. <laughs> Leprous. Yeah, Leprous. Well, sure. um, in 1882, he starts a lecture tour of North America extolling the virtues of aestheticism. We don't need to get too much into aestheticism. Let's just say it's uh, form over function. 
Yeah, um, it's like he, art for art's sake. It's yes. like uh, pursuit he, of beauty and nothing else. Yeah, and he kind of used it as a as a, uh, a code to uh, live his life. He was mocked and ridiculed. Call him an, an esthete. An esthete. Yes. Uh, he presented himself as impeccably dressed and mannered, uh, um, and a mannered dandy whose life was a work of art. Mm. Um, Wilde believed that the artist should hold forth higher ideals and that pleasure and beauty would replace utilitarian ethics. I want to well, see I'm him and that. Tennessee Williams at a dinner together. Oh, my God. <laughs> They'd oh. end up fucking and it'd be super it'd be hot. Fucking, it'd be super hot. And anybody else in the room would be eviscerated. The bitchy level would be Yes, they would rip everyone else room. to shreds, figuratively and literally, oh. and then they would rip each other to shreds. Sexually. Sexually. I oh, want to yeah, see them both drunk, nice, both at that head of Gabbler performance. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. oh, that poor woman. Um... I tried to retell that. I think I've said this on the pod already, but I tried to retell that story to my ultimate theater mentor, Beatty Pettigrew, and I fucked it up so bad because I couldn't remember what he actually said at the end. Because he says, uh, she's so bored, isn't she? Is the, is, was yeah, his she's and I said, she's so sad, isn't she? And Beatty went, I don't get it. And I was like, I retold oh, that story. Uh, it's bored. I meant bored, and then I felt really stupid. No, I retold no. that story at a bar over the weekend, and it brought the fucking house down. Yeah, because nice. it's genius. Nice. He's a genius. We love Tennessee Williams. <laughs> no, he ended up pretty low on my ballot, weirdly, or my ranking, actually, weirdly, yeah. but we yeah. do love him. Um, Okay, Wild, keep going. Yeah. Uh, in 1884, he proposed to Constance Lloyd, who was a successful author in her own right. The couple had two sons, Cyril and Vivian. Cyril and Vivian. In 1886 at Oxford, Wilde met Robert Ross. Ross, who had read Wilde's poems before they met, seemed uh, unrestrained by the Victorian prohibition against homosexuality and set about seducing Wilde. They had a very long-term uh, friendship and relationship in all kinds of levels. Uh, Wilde was a prolific writer and personality. He was the pop star of his day. Then we get to the trial. All right. So I'm going to break this down as best I can because it's super complicated. And actually, it's two trials. So Oscar is messing around with the son of the Marquis of Queensbury. The right. Marquis of Queensbury doesn't like this relationship and yeah. basically calls out Oscar publicly going, you're a sodomite. Oscar responds with, that's liable. I'm going to take you to court. His oh, friends man. quickly pull him aside and go, Oscar... Don't take him to court because then they're going to find out that you're a sodomite and things aren't going to go well. But Oscar did not back off. Uh, the Marquis of Queensbury has a lot of money, hires a lot of PIs, and a lot of young prostitutes come out of the woodwork. Never mind his more adult, sophisticated relationships as well. To be so clear, he, we're very pro-sodomite. Very pro sodomite, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And sex uh, worker, I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm pro sex I'm, worker, pro sodomite. <laughs> absolutely, I'm, I'm no sodom and Gamora are my were my old roommates in in college. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, I'm just talking about the people in sure. the day. Yeah, um, no, yeah. So he drops the lawsuit, but he basically um, gets arrested on the 16th or on the April. I'm sorry, April 6th of 1895. He was arrested for gross indecency and sodomy. He's convicted on May 5th 
of 1895, uh, found guilty and served a two-year sentence until uh, May of 1897. Um, it was not pleasant. It was, um, you know. Sounds awful. He had to work, uh, you know, hard labor, um, brutal conditions, and it was awful. You sure uh, this is the 1800s or is this going to be America in like two years? <laughs> no, this is like we're in 1890s. You Basically know, what you're saying is nothing has changed. <laughs> yes. Nothing has ever. Time I mean, is a circle. I mean, um, so um, basically he gets out. He goes back with his, his buddy Rob Ross, who I mentioned earlier, and he moves to France where he spends uh, the remainder of his life. Uh, he died of meningitis on November 29th, 1900. Uh, Oscar Wilde converted to Catholicism on his deathbed in a Parisian hotel. Uh, Wilde had had a lifelong fascination with Catholicism, remarking that it was the highest and the most sentimental of faiths. And uh, in 1877, he had met uh, Pope Pius IX. So Whoa. that's for real. Yeah. So he felt strongly about Catholicism, which is odd in so many ways. But... Um, I got uh, two truths and a lie about yes. Oscar Wilde. Let's yes. do it. I can't do it. Okay. Oscar Wilde was a brilliant yet flamboyant cricket player while at Trinity College. Okay. okay. Oscar Wilde edited a woman's magazine in the 1880s. Oscar Wilde's mother was an Irish revolutionary. Okay. I feel like you said in your breakdown that his mother wasn't a revolutionary. Or, well, okay, so I, I do know that he comes from, like, an artist. There's, like, mm -hmm. some artist that was really famous that then leads to him, like, in mm -hmm, the lineage, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. So I don't, that would make sense that his mom would, would have done that. The, the magazine one doesn't track for me. What do you think, Siege? I'm stuck between those two as well. Um, I'm going to just go for it and say it's the magazine is the lie. Okay. Are you saying the then magazine's I, the lie? I'm going to, she's saying the magazine's the lie. I'm going to, just to be different, because I actually have no idea. I'm going to say <laughs> C is the lie. His mother was not a revolutionary. I bet she was like a fucking doctor or some shit. The lie is that Oscar Wilde was a brilliant yet flamboyant cricket player while at Trinity College. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Wild's it was just mother... the way you phrased it. I was like, that, that sounds correct. Wilde's mother, Jane Francesca LG, was a poet, a published under the name uh, under the pseudonym Speranza for a <gasps> weekly Irish nationalist newspaper. The word means hope in Italian, and she chose it because she believed, although it was later discredited, that she was descended from the Italian poet Dante. Uh, LG supposedly... Well... Supposedly, I will used... be using Speranza as uh, yeah. Speranza as my nom de plume as well. Absolutely, so, yeah. um, but she did a lot of her writing on controversial issues like the suffering during the Irish famine, uh, and it basically made her a household name in Ireland. Fucking a, huh? That's and cool. Then, uh, I was well, way off base, and I'm sorry. <laughs> then, while working on essays and short stories, Wilde had a successful career as as an editor of a woman's magazine called The Woman's World. The publication, okay. the publication was originally called The Ladies' World, but Wilde renamed it, int intending that it deal not merely with what women wear, but with, with, the, with what they think and what they feel. What? Mm -hmm. From a man's <laughs> point of view. From sure. a man's point of view. Well, that's what you... No, uh, I appreciate it. On behalf of all women, Oscar, thank you. Well, he was My ahead God, of his time. <laughs> he was ahead of his time. 
But he was surrounded by like, badass ladies. Like his mom's well, a writer, his wife's a published writer. That's... Like his, he surrounds himself with kind of cool women that. Uh... Especially going into the play that we're about to discuss, that's something I kind of already appreciate about him. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, for kind sure. Kind of like Tennessee Williams. Like you get the idea that Tennessee like was like you know women have something to say too and yeah. I mean, they you can even feel things. we'll get deeper into it, but you can even feel an importance of being earnest. That bit of him poking at society's treatment of women, right? Of sure. just like, oh, yes, they're so stupid, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, and it's just like that's not the point. Um, uh, so Flingle, I mean Oscar, Oscar Flingle, Flingle, <laughs> Flingle. Um, you know, he's considered one of the great Irish writers. It's so interesting that he's he's Irish. I I kind of forgot that um, until you said it, Scott. I was like, oh right, he's Irish, which puts him. For him to still be as ubiquitous, it puts him up in the ranks with like Joyce mm-hmm. and like Beckett. Oh, and like, you know what? Where you're just like, oh fuck! Like he's uh, George that's legendary Bernard status Shaw. to be com- yeah to be compared to uh, yeah. the other Irish writers and still be well. George that, Bernard uh, Shaw was an Irish, but I get what you're he's saying. British, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But 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 you know what I mean? Like that the sure. Irish writers tend to. I mean, you know, we we tend to sort of hold them on this other level of. James yeah. Joyce specifically is who I'm thinking of to compare it, but sure. Um, okay. Anyway, I thought. I thought that no, was no, true. it's a it's a great point because, <laughs> you know, we're we're still talking about him, and yeah. the plays are still being performed, and Picture of Dorian Gray is still being read. Like it's he's endured, and and then then you just got all the short stories and all the essays and all the quips right. and all that stuff too. Yeah. Did you know that there's a opera? By Gilbert and Sullivan, based on him. Oh right, yes, I forget it's, the name of it. It's but, called yeah. Patience. Yes, oh, it's also that's been right. billed as Bunthorn's Bride, and the character Bunthorn is because of his huge flamboyant personality. Gilbert and Sullivan like loved him, and they're like, "We're gonna make a character based on you," and they oh, did. That's fun. Yeah, yeah while he was that. alive, I'm pretty sure. Kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, I love that so for him. let's get into the, the play that we're talking about today. It was his first play written and performed. Um, it's and called... like Marsha Norman, it was a flop. <laughs> it was a flop, but I'm excited to talk about this one. Um, did you uh, – who put, picked this one? Do we remember? I believe I picked this one because yeah. you – you had definitely no Scott had definitely gone for importance of being earnest, and we wanted to yeah. get like the whole yeah. spectrum of his work. And I was like, "Well, I'll pick Vera," and now I'm pretty glad I did. Me yeah. too. Yeah. I wasn't ready for this play. I'm gonna yeah. be really honest. I wasn't no. really ready for this. No, I Very was not good. either. Yes, um, <laughs> that's my that's my 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 final take. Very good. Very <laughs> this good. Play. Yeah, 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 All yeah. right, Rand, let's wrap it okay, up. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> um, no, but CJ. Um, yeah. You seem like I know you said you're tired. You're going through yeah. a lot, but like, yeah. it does feel like She's you need to have a bit. moment. <laughs> yeah. And if you just need to break down real quick in front of us, we will allow it. Okay. CJ's breakdown. In the late 1700s to early 1800s of poverty-stricken and hopeless Russia, the heroine of the title, Vera, plots to kill the country's tyrannical czar in league with the Nihilists, a revolutionary political group. Mm -hmm. Would you have been a Nihilist? Because I would have. Yes. I would have, except for the rules. No, I agree, but I think at the time that would have I would have fully been like, yes. The longer I live in this world, the more I think I'm going to make it a political group. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. 
So it, it technically this is meant to be based on a real life person, right? Vera Zasulich. Yeah, yes. he's sort of like it, it. It sounds to me as I did the digging that it was kind of a a little bit of ripped from the headlines kind yeah. of deal. Like yeah. like he was tipping the hat to her, although the details uh, of the play are way are different. Off. Yeah, 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 from yeah. The real life, yeah. What did you guys? What y'all think of this one? I want. I want to hear your thoughts because this. I have. I have some interesting like takes on it. But like, what was your? What'd you get? Because it was at first. It was kind of hard to read. Yes. Yeah. And then it was I was hard like, to get more into, into it. it. I was like, oh, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm into this. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was kind of the same way. Um, I have to say, for the record, could we note it in the log? Yes. Uh, Hold on. The, one sec. Let me get the log. All right. And, yeah. All right. I have a giant a pen? log. Okay. Here. We got the pen. Okay. Um, yeah. But no, CJ it's and a I spruce log. By the way, this log is made of spruce. Spruce. Pine. spruce. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but CJ and I were talking, and she was like, uh, "This is it's it's not Shakespeare. It's not melodrama." And something I'm like, "In between, it's something in between. You're not quite to Chekhov yet. We yeah. haven't had that revolution, but it it's grounded. There are moments there's where some Shaw. There's maybe. some Shaw in there. There's you can some... definitely feel. You wanted. You want to. I kind of wanted to." find the funny in it like i kind of went yeah. in real blind and i'm like oh there isn't oh funny. it's in there it's in it there is. there's some there's some quips in there but it's yeah um and then cj was like i think it, there's moments that could be played for the comedy i'm like yeah like the scene with the emperor yes. struck me very much as death of stalin like like <laughs> it's a phenomenally yes. fucking funny film genius film yes and and i was kind of like you can just see all the guys and and the asides and all that 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 made it um pop you can although see i see can... how he goes from this to things like Ernest. you yes. totally but see the evolution the first without it being anywhere near the same genre right exactly yeah. yeah and this is and the other thing that's so fascinating i think is is he's this is a big brain cranking uh, in yeah. Mr. Wild and his decisions, but the fact that he has such a clear notion of what's happening in Russia at that time, yes, that he predicts an assassination. He basically predicts the Russian yeah. revolution, the first Russian revolution, and then the second one will naturally come after that. Because Vera ended up killing a governor like three years after this was written, right? Right, and then yes. the, then the actual Tsar Alexander the Second gets. Yeah, right. gets it. Which then you get Nicholas II, and he was like a boy who was put onto the throne, and was just yeah. like, ah, yeah, it'll be fine. Who's <laughs> 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 Lenin? Yeah, you had mentioned before Siege. This was kind of a flop, right? Right. There, I first... saw. In the yeah. Oscar Wilde thing, or maybe it was the Vera Wikipedia, there was a polit like a almost like a political yes. cartoon drawing of him being him like looking like he's mid weep and some guy like holding him up by the shoulders because he's so bummed about how this was received. Yeah, right. And the 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 log line or whatever the caption is like, we all have our first shitty failure. <laughs> you know, like we all yeah, yeah, yeah. You look it up. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it, the, the critical, it was pretty critical. People weren't super into it. Um, and I wonder, he, here's here's a big piece of that puzzle, right? He writes it in 1880. It gets an engagement the next year to be done in London and gets canceled. Mm -hmm. And then it gets put up in 1882 in New York and only runs one week. 
Well, and then did you read at all the story about that New York production and no. the pro? So I found the quote, it. by the way. What's oh, the what quote? is it? Never mind, Oscar. Other great men have had their dramatic failures. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, they try and do this fucker in summer during one of the worst heat waves in the history of oh, New York yeah. City. Wow. The theater is be- being described by multiple people like a Turkish bath. Right. And then on stage are all these poor actors wearing fucking Russian? wool and fur and playing it's supposed to be in the dead Siberia. of winter <laughs> well yeah it starts in siberia and then we're in the dead of winter during the 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 bulk of the story like it's snowing at one point <laughs> and it's just like it was not there's no air conditioning you know none of that's happening and so it Apparently, just was not meant yeah people yeah. just weren't into it the guy who was producing it by the end of the week was like i i i lost twenty five hundred dollars on this this week i'm not putting up another week of this i'll just lose right. my money right it's just not selling and you know a, a few critics like felt like they really got it and were into it but then there was other one like new york tribune was like for all accounts except the poet's own vera bad right right another one I, I i think it was the the new york herald said um long drawn dramatic rot was theirs <gasps> okay now i think at this time we're not really at a place where like plays are being done in new york right i mean they are but not on the level of like follies and right. like vaudeville no, it, it's and like right. yeah it's it's minstrel yeah, show and like things like this yeah we're we're at a point where it's it's kind of hoity-toity and yeah not, i don't know that an american the, audience is really people. ready for a russian tragedy right now right, <laughs> right They're, exactly it's just not really for them and so but then you get a couple of reviews who like really felt like they got it. Specifically, the New York Mirror described it as among the highest order of plays, masterly, and the right. noblest contribution to its literature to literature the stage has received in many years. So you're like, fuck! Like there were people who got this thing. Yeah. And it's almost like one of those one of the I'm trying to think of an example, but one of those movies or one of those shows that like at the time just didn't get love and then got revisited years later, and people were like, "Wait, fuck, was this? Yeah, 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 genius." Well, that was kind of I was I was uh, this just popped up recently. Like Blade Runner was a flop. Yeah, sure. And it's time, and like people didn't get it. Yeah. They didn't get anything that was going on, and and then it gained a sci-fi cult following, and then and then, and then each of the then cuts. cinephiles started yes. going, oh shit, we, we fucked this up, right? And we then every time a didn't new cut would come out, it would kind of gain a new following. People would be yeah. like, okay, well, what is this? And then now we have twenty forty nine, one of the biggest sci-fi movies in years, if you discount Dune, same yeah. director though, and it's just like, I mean. They're probably going to make another one, I'm sure, right? Like, it's huge. Well, they've got, uh, like, a, like an animated series. Damn. Blade yeah, Runner Ridley. or Black Orchid or something like that. I really... I, I stand up for most of Ridley Scott's work. There's a few things I'm not into, but, like, he There's does some, some good that, shit. He does, absolutely. Um, anyway. Uh, Ridley Scott, digression. We'll do that some other time. Um, I liked this play a lot, and I'll tell you a couple reasons why. At first, I wasn't super into it. The first scene, I was kind of like, what am I reading? And I sort of reread yes, it, yes, being like, yes, what? I, yeah. I think I missed a lot of that. 
Yeah. But then I kept going and being like, okay, there's just a lot of characters. So you ha- once you focus in on what everyone's intention is, you can really get what the play is trying to say. And what I kept coming back to, and especially by the end of the play, did y'all feel that little bit? Now, I'm going to say three things that sound disconnected, but they're not. Noranayat Khan. Okay. The play that we saw. Uh Uh-huh. James Bond. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And a movie that came out kind of recently with Jessica Chastain called The 355. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know The 355, unfortunately. It's fine, but you need to. Uh Uh-huh. It's it's one of those really poorly conceived action films, but fully works because it's like Lapita Nyong'o... Jessica Chastain mm. and and um, Penelope Cruz, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> like, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. phenomenally acted. The action rocks. There's some really bad writing, but if you can just like forgive that and like be like, yeah, okay, th- they're introducing this wrong, but it's fine. Like a really phenomenal piece about female assassins. Now I know this is not about a literal female assassin necessarily. Well, yeah, it is. Eventually. She's just, it is. Yeah, she's she is eventually. Absolutely. Oh, she is yeah. In this too. Well, she is in this too. Yeah. yeah. I, and it. I kept sort of having that, like, the same feels that I get. I'm also rewatching the James, the Daniel Craig's right now, mm, James nice. Bond. I watched Casino Royale yesterday. I'm watching Quantum of Solace. I'm mid-Quantum of Solace right now today. Um, I'll finish it after this, this episode. I forgot how much I love those five movies. They're great. It's fantastic. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to watch through them all, but because I'm in that zone in my head while I was reading it, I started kind of being like, oh, this is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. This is, this is Bond. This is an assassin story. I know where I'm headed because I actually knew the ending going in. So, cause I, I it's kind of a famous ending. I, I realized it's that the final lines are, what have you done? I've, I've saved Russia. Yeah. And then she dies. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I was like, oh, right. I guess I, I've heard of this ending maybe in some form or maybe I haven't but I just was like I don't know y'all I think this play kind of rocks and I kind of want to put it up in like a modern espionage I yes I I I got a couple things to say first of all I would like to see I'm gonna say it I I would love to actually see this play directed and performed with a strong hand and I would love for it to actually be like a a whip crack super fast almost farce where then all of a sudden you're yes. caught up in the in the dramatic events and the drama of what is going on and the sadness of what is going on because I really thought a lot of this was funny. I thought I think there's a lot of really fucking hilarious one-liners like women like to be bothered or what a mistake it is to be sincere. And right. then that's like in the prologue. Yeah, it yeah. like hits right. you with that right away. It's followed up with these I thought there were I probably pulled like a half dozen monologues from this play cuz there's monologue. so money male and female alike and then the other thing that i found so interesting about this for the time that it was in the time that it was written about and then the time that it was written is everybody's underlying motivations yeah like why is she doing it it's because of what they did to her brother and they sent her here mm-hmm. why is michael such a bloodthirsty motherfucker it's sure. because he's always been in love with her and she's not picking him mm-hmm. yeah why does this prime minister come and join the nihilists well it's because 
he's pissed that the quote-unquote good guy is now Czar, and he wants to get back at him even though he hates being surrounded by these nihilists. Like, mm -hmm. all of the underlying motivation for all of these characters was a lot of fun, and it makes the play really interesting to me. I would almost argue, because I agree, there was a good amount of comedy that you could... And, and some to be injected as well. I think there's ways to play with different things. To me, that uh, was wild, like twiddling his mustache. Yeah, it's almost that. like a tragic melodrama or like a... A dark um, comedy even. Yeah, like a... Or yeah. a comedic melodrama is what I mean. Not yes, tragic, yes, but yes, uh, melodrama. Yeah. Where it's like... It, like, like farce is almost correct. I, I don't want to call it farce. Right? Like, my brain is like, no, it's not. But, but it's it does a hybrid. Read it's, that way. it's a fusion. It was, you know, going back to the top of the conversation where, yeah, it's not melodrama. We're not, a, we're not at Chekhov yet. It's not Shakespeare. But, but you can it, feel how he goes from this to Ernest because Ernest is true farce. True. Right? Yeah. Manners and, farce. Yeah. And he's, you know, and he, he and I am. One of the things that I didn't read about, but I imagine was pretty shocking for the day, especially for Victorian England, for the yeah. U, for the, the UK, was the, the news reports of a woman doing this, of the, these real reports of a woman doing this. Yeah. Had to have right. had people like, you know, fl flipped out and that you have a protagonist where there's the one liners. But she is held in the highest regard by everybody she mm -hmm. encounters. Gender isn't an issue. She's Vera. She is the right. one. She Gender is... in Russia has always been a little bit different. Yeah, but Oscar Wilde don't know nothing about stuff. No. Yeah, yeah, no, but I this know. Is it all just before that all that. Fit. Yeah, that just, it's always fit with me with Russia where it's like, you're a body, you can do work, so do it. Oh, uh, I mean, I guess that's part of the Russian. Yeah. Identity. Yeah, I go with that. Um, stupid but, commies. Stupid commie. Seeing but women that he's, as the same uh, as men. Come on. But the, the, the clarity <laughs> of his understanding of, of, of what the nihilist, uh, nihilist is, which is going to grow into the communists. And he was, he was, Oscar Wilde was a bit of a socialist, too. At least he had a socialist streak. That's what because, I was reading. That he yeah, he, was. well... And there were then there's one guy who's like, yeah, he's more, <laughs> yeah. more more that he he understood the 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 criticisms of capitalism, right. which is he really he why like... Marx. I'm Go sorry, I was, I was just gonna digress real quick. Marx came to popularity not because of the socialism at first, but the because of the critique of capitalism, right? The evil of of that. He and that's he was kind what, of socialist light. Because yeah, really, yeah. he was just anti-tyranny. He yeah. was very yeah, an anti-authoritarian. Like most people are right, like right. <laughs> like anti-authoritarian right. I mean, regime. Like you know, we, I, we got a lot of fascists right now. Unless you're a rich white guy, like true. But you know what? Or a poor and, white and I'm guy. I'm not. Again, I'm not. Uh, not again. But I, I am not defending anyone on this planet. But <laughs> I, I will never defend anybody on this planet ever. No, I, I'm not defending anybody in America who is on on the wrong side of history right now, but I will say, I'll say it. Say it. That I think if you asked anyone on the planet, are you, I mean, okay, there's 1% of crazy people, but you say, are you for totalitarian, authoritarian society? They would say, no, of course not. That sounds 
absolutely horrifying unless they're one of the one percent that wants that power. They don't know what that means, right? But that's what I mean is I don't think right. they most people even really know what it looks like to be in that kind of, especially in America. We we're just sort of like. Like, well, Hitler is the past. That doesn't happen. That's not We've real. Learned. And I'm like, y'all, there's a bill right now. That's it's Moore versus Harper, I think it's called, where they are literally trying to eliminate states' rights to have any any say whatsoever in the uh, democratic elections. So oh, yeah. it Fuck. and it's like so fucked, and it will get passed, which is because they have the numbers right now. So it's like this. There's we're headed towards it. Yeah. And we can't even not this is a big digression, but my point is to say, like, I would argue most people are an Oscar Wilde politically. If you ask them about it, they'd be like, Yeah, I don't I don't like authoritarian, that sounds terrible. But to really like dive deep into especially now to dive deep into what socialism means and things like he was just far from it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And Um, it was still new. It hadn't been implemented yet. Nobody tried it yet. Also, even he, based on the way he sort of treated like the trial and like all that kind of stuff about the, the libel and things, it's like, he was even still, you know, uh, had some, had some uh, internalized bigotry, some internalized. Well, need it be said. He was a rich white guy. Like he, he was. was a rich. He, you know, I mean, he he kind of been given every. I, he had an easy life for them. I mean, I'm not saying it was super easy, but you know, he's Roycon. He thought no, he could not. get away with mm-hmm. it. You know, he thought it'll be fine because he's always. He's I I I mean I don't know. He was a good guy, and no one should be put on trial for who they have sex with. But still, he thought like it'll be right. fine. I'm gonna just say no. That's not true, and throw the money at it, and it'll be fine. Right. And I think you know. If he were alive today, he probably wouldn't be one of those people. Because at the time, he was probably still one of the most woke people doing shit. Yes. So, I, you yes. know, good for him. Um, a great tidbit. Uh, Winston Churchill, when asked, who would you most want to have dinner with, dead or alive? He said Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Oh, that yeah. sounds like a fun dinner to just yes. watch. Actually, someone and needs Tennessee to write Williams. that. That's a play. That's, Winston Churchill and Oscar Wilde. You best have cut fucking, all of this. That's the someone's um, gonna steal it. That's the girl. That's the girl. Top girls. It'll be top boys. No, we already have that. Yeah. <laughs> top boys is a whole top boys. thing. Jesus, tops <laughs> boys. No, it'll just be top boys, but it'll be a story of Oscar Wilde actively seducing Winston Churchill. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to write it. Okay, so delete all this uh, so that no one knows. Um, uh, okay, anything else y'all want to say about Vera? The, I was surprised by this, y'all. This uh, As a first outing that flopped, um, I went into it being like, this is going to be another Circus Valentine, and it just wasn't. No, I, I again, I would love to see it produced. I don't yeah. know, because, because, yeah, I mean, the... The language is hard. Like my, I, I know we mentioned between Shakespeare and melodrama. My thing was was if my mind wandered a second, I'd be like, "Oh wait, wait, what just happened?" And I'd have to go back and read it. I don't know yeah, how that would translate on stage. Um, but I think if you had some really good actors and you did some table work, it would be okay. You just couldn't well, get lost in the mire of how fucking depressing everything is. Right. I think you could. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a bunch of cool things you can do because he he kind of you can kind of see him sniffing like brecht do you know what i mean like yeah. there's moments where you have that chorus of people chanting their 
the, For sure. the, the lines where I'm like, wow, this is a real Brechtian. This There's isn't... some Caucasian chalk circle in here. There's For some. Sure, yeah. yeah, I feel that too. I feel that you too. Know? And so to take that and put that all, I would, it would be interesting kind of go decade for decade from the early 20th century through today and go, what's happening theatrically? What would I do? What would I have done with this 10 years later? What would I have done with this 20 years later, 30 years and, and go through that and see what you, you get. It'd be a great experiment. I agree. Mm -hmm. Great grad project. Somebody somebody (laughs) go do their MFA. Actually, uh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's smart. That's a good call. MFA it. I'm going to um, go back to school just to do this play. Let's but, do it. Yeah. Let's go to school just so we can do it. Oh, God. Um, but no, I really, uh, yeah, yeah Bales, I was pleasantly surprised. I I think that one of the things that surprised me was, and I think you mentioned this too, that you had to reread that prologue a couple times. Yeah. Um, that, that was my thing too, is I kind of went back and did the prologue and act one. I'm like, what? What's what, what's the rhythm here? What's the style here? Like it's because it doesn't quite match up with anything. But then I tore through it. Like it, mm-hmm. the read went pretty quick. I, I agree. In a sitting siege. Do you have any final thoughts? No. Yay. I'm I'm excited. Um, I kind of it was really it took me a long time to just get started reading because I haven't been particularly excited about reading Oscar Wilde. Yeah. But now getting through this play, I'm like, OK. Okay, I'm ready. I Let's think go. Let's you'll go. You'll have fun reading Ernest again. I know you yeah. you said you read it recently, but it, I think you'll have fun reading no, that again. No, long time then, ago I read it. Oh, gotcha. And then I think it would be it would be fun to get together and maybe watch the 2002 cuz it's such a good mm. representation of the play, but also um I do want to watch Salome with you guys. Yeah. Okay. Uh I think that'll be really fun and I have Broadway HD so we can do that. If you want to read Vera and the Nihilists, I want to start doing this. Let's let them know where we found that script. Was it on Scribbed? That's how I read it. It was on Scribbed. Yeah. 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 So, he had two complete works on there. All of his plays are in there. Yeah, so if you want to find Wild, it's not hard. It's public domain now, I believe. So yeah. pretty much anybody can pick it up. Yeah. Um which is interesting. That means you we could do a our own take on Vera and the Nihilists in a way right. if we wanted to. Right. Um, right. Really cool. Uh, but find it on Scribbid. It's, it's, uh, if you don't know what Scribbid is, look it up. It's, it's a fantastic resource for finding plays. It's where we find most of ours. If they're not on Perlego or just online in general. Yep. Um, and if we don't own them already. Uh, okay. So do we need to do, Oh, we got a uh, spitlets. Yes. Let's spot, let's spitlet some, let's spotlight some spitlets. L.A. Spotlight. You guys got any L.A. Spotlights? Well, yeah, I'll start off with three guys, one group on, which hey. is going to happen uh, Friday the uh, the 15th at 8 p.m. at the Broadwater. It's our encore presentation. You got one more chance to come and get the funny. Come and get it. That's right. We I got one of, the, uh, one of the best of Broadwater spaces, which mm-hmm. rocks. Um, shout out to everyone else who got Best of Broadwater. Some phenomenal shows in there. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Um, I didn't get a shout out as many things because uh, the last Fringe Blast, I wasn't here. But I just wanted to shout out. There is an extension uh, performance of Love Chicken. So if anybody can go check that out at oh, McCadden. Yes. Highly recommended. Love Chicken Rocks. We're going to be doing that miniseries soon. I figure we should hit Maddox up and maybe do them after... After we do uh, the next playwright. Who's the next playwright after this? We were going to do... Um, uh, 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 fuck. The guy they just did the Netflix show on. Um, Rent Guy. 
Oh. Larson. Larson. Yeah, Jonathan Larson. Maybe we'll do Maddox after Larson. Okay. Or maybe in between. Well, if we and we can't said get we were going to interview so we'll all see. of our nominees too. So we're, we're gonna also going to do that. So all of our Production nominees will meeting. get a get a thing. Well, yeah, you guys said this all on the on the Fringe Blast. Um, but that too, we'll yes. do all those things. Those all will just be Wednesday up. episodes, though. We'll just throw those in. They won't take places of normal episodes. Yes. Um, and then oh, I wanted to say this. I I did a bunch of interviews at Fringe opening night party with my uh, recorder, but uh-huh. I had the volume, like the recording volume all the way up and we're all just screaming into it. Uh-huh. So I only have like maybe 30 seconds of usable shit. I might post it at some point if I can get get it all to work, but sorry y'all. If you were interviewed by me that night, I I dropped the ball, so I apologize. Uh-huh. Um, I have CJ. a spotlight. Yes, um, The Colored Museum, written by George C. Wolfe and directed by Jasmine Nichelle. It is at Loft right now. It's their main stage going on. A satire of modern conventions surrounding black identity. The Colored Museum is set in a fictional museum where a collection of 11 exhibits have been mounted for public viewing. I'm actually going to go this Sunday. Um, it's Saturdays at 8 and Sundays at 7 through Sunday, the 24th of July at Loft Ensemble in NoHo. Yeah, we have a lot of friends who work with Loft. Um, I'll try to check that one out if I yeah. have the time. Um, you should too. Yeah. Anything else, Scott? That's all I got. That's all you got? Well, well thank you all. Thanks for joining us for part one of three of the importance of being Earncast. No, <laughs> the importance of being podcast. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, join us next week for part two, where we will be discussing importance of being earnest, which you should be able to find anywhere. Watch the movie, read the read the play, whatever you can do. There's probably a thousand YouTube versions of it of community colleges and colleges and, and all of the above. Um, I meant community theaters and colleges. You you get it. I got uh, what you're saying. You were doing fine. And then and then after that we'll do Salome. Uh, that's all I got. Bye. No, no, CJ. No. Oh, do y'all have questions? <laughs> wow. Does anyone have that? questions or comments? Does anyone want to do my job better than me? Well, you can reach out to us. You can email us. Fucking chimpanzee us. could do your job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A very you smart one who went to Oxford, okay? <laughs> It's on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Scott, it's your turn. Thanks, CJ. Uh, A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson, who writes our theme song. Our theme song's better than your theme song. It's true. He also writes all of our stingers. He's a wonderful human being. A big shout out to Pam Quinn. Who wrote our special Oscar Wilde-centric song, which you are about to hear. Uh, Pam, you should reach out to her about that. See if you she should really check in with us. her. Yep, yeah. And... No, she mentioned it at the bar one night. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Annie Baker, who writes every single hey, Scott, one. Of our... yeah. I got to tell you something. Yeah. Um, Wait, Bailey. Sometime... What? <laughs> you know what? Scott, CJ? I love your beard. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Uh, Annie Baker writes every single one of our episodes, and she doesn't even know it. And one day, Annie Baker, we're gonna buy you a beer. Yes. Yes, we are. We love you guys so much. Rate, subscribe, review. If you write a bad review and still give us five stars, we'll read it on the on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Love you so much. We'll see you all next week for importance. Yum. You're a sensitive esthete. 
Brush the sauce onto the meat. You can make the menu sparkle with rhyme. You could drum a gentle drum. I could see guests as they come, chatting not about Heidegger but wine. Let's open up a restaurant in Santa Fe. COVID's Santa Fe. real. Ooh, mm, that's hurting my throat. Our <laughs> labors would reap financial gain. gain, gain. We'll open up a restaurant in Santa Fe keychain. Santa Fe. <laughs> <sighs> Guys, yeah, the COVID is, is real. Gotta, I'm never singing again. Later, everybody. <laughs> What's in Sounds insane, the names to blame for ever.